Welcome to Inside the Pages, presented by the Cornerstone of Grace. We're located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona, California. Sunday praise and worship begins at 9 a.m. Wednesday Bible study at 7 p.m. And we believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, we're faithful. We're bold. We believe the best way to face opposition, no compromise. The best way to face opposition, not watering it down, not being dogmatic. Nope. But the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God. Sometimes obedience means that you just got to hold your peace and not say anything. No matter how they try to persuade you, try to influence you, Try to make you say something on your behalf. Sometimes it's just best to be quiet. They'll stop asking after a while. You don't have to say anything. Just hold your peace in obedience unto the word of God. Again, I want to thank you for joining the online service of Cornerstone of Grace. If you're looking for a church home, growth ministry, I want to invite you to join us, grow with us, and be blessed with us. Now, if you have a prayer request, maybe you have a question regarding the word of God. I want to invite you to shoot us an email. Visit connectingtruth.org. That is connectingtruth.org. And uh, communicate that to us. Uh, if it's confidential, just mark it confidential. It won't go no further. You'll never hear it on the air or nothing like that. And if you have a Bible question, then, you know, certainly we'll address that on the air because others may have the same question. All right. And so with that being said, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, thank you for your goodness and grace. Thank you for your mercy. How you have kept us throughout the day. You've allowed us to gather together at this appointed time. Lord God, and you, you've blessed others that will, when they wake up, they'll listen. And those that may be at work, but when they're off from work, they're going to be listening, Lord God. And those, whatever their respective place and hours are, Lord, I pray that you would bless them. Lord, encourage their hearts. Lord Jesus, help them, Lord God, strengthen Lord Jesus, you said, you told Peter when he is strengthened, the strength of the brethren. Lord God, and I, I thank you for the little strength that you've given me. And I pray and ask that you would bless me to bless your people, give them the strength and encouragement where needed. Lord God, you know each individual, you know their heart's desire. Lord Jesus, I pray for their pastors, those that are listening and yet belong to another fold. Lord God, they're still your sheep. Lord God, and I pray and ask that you will bless their pastors. 
Lord God, to feed them. Lord God, as many pastors and overseers that and ministers that have tuned in, I ask that you would bless them, Lord God, that you continue to take them higher. Lord God, as they are sacrificing themselves Lord, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Hence these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're in the book of Genesis, and I am certainly learning more and more, not just about the Lord, I'm learning about myself, and I, and I hope you are too, that you're learning about you and using the illustrations, using what God has given, the examples, uh, that it's not just there for any reason. The Bible is clear about that. I believe it's in Hebrews that tell us that, uh, that the scripture is given for our example. And so we're in the book of Genesis and we're touching what is referred to as the law of particularization. Uh, we're moving from the general to the particulars. So we're not just having a general conversation, but there are jewels. Now we talked about uh, the mystery or the words of wisdom and understanding and, and uh, you know, and, and what uh, Proverbs was was speaking to us about about those things. And he said the dark sayings. Now, dark sayings does not mean that it's negative. It doesn't mean that it's something that you need to be afraid of. It just means that you're, you're going to have to go past the general and get to those particulars. You're going to have you're going to have to dig deep. You got to stop. Don't be so quick and dig. You know, it takes time to dig into the earth to collect minerals. It takes time to go into the sea and find that that shellfish that has uh, that has swallowed some sand and now it's become a pearl. You're not going to find that uh, too often up on the shores unless it's just something occurred and it washed up there. You know, so when it washes up, then then well, let's just say that is a and you didn't have to dig for it. It just you just found it by uh, I don't want to say coincidence, but by design. Uh, that's what is a rhema, a rhema word. But when you're digging and you're striving and you're diving and you're praying and seeking God, you know, th that's what God wants us to do. So we go from the particular from the general to the particulars. Now, the the universe, earth, man and spirit. We're talking about all three because you cannot separate the universe. You cannot separate man. You cannot separate the earth. You cannot separate spirit. Uh, man himself is a trichotomy, um, body, soul, and spirit. And, and so Adam was created from the dust of the ground. He was a, a pile of dirt. Uh, that's what I refer to him as. He was a pile of dirt laying there. He had no thought. He had no conscious awareness. He had nothing. Um, he was just there until God blew into his nostrils and man became a living soul. The Bible is clear that all souls are mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die, which means the soul that does righteous, that keeps his commandments, shall live. And so uh, the spirit. We are touching the creation and the principal person who is the cause of all things and the designing mind behind everything. Now, Genesis, and I, I'm mentioned this before and i'm going to keep mentioning as often as i'm reminded of it is that in the 15th chapter in the first verse the lord told abram 
he said, um, he said, after these things, the scripture says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not. The Lord didn't want him to be afraid. And when the Lord visit everyone, he's not going to say fear not. Some, some of us need to be afraid. Some people need the hell scared out of them. And so uh, he's not going to tell everybody to not be afraid. And some people, you know, there's some, well, that's my, that's a personal testimony because I was caught in the Hollywood Hills on the edge of a cliff, um, just about not far from rolling off and either uh, suffering great bodily injury or, or even death. And so, yes, that, that uh, made me very fearful. I could not wait until I met the pastor that asked me, when was I coming to church? And I told them I did not want God to put me in the hospital to get my attention. So yes, it scared me. It scared the hell out of me. All right. I'm using that in that phrase, not in a derogatory way, because I was a hellish young man in such a way that my mother saw that when God came into my life and she followed me to church and got saved. Not only her, but uh, I have sisters and brothers that saw the difference and saw the change in my life. So listen, God will do that, not just for me, but for others. And it's not something that you can make happen. It's something that when God gets a hold of you, you know, that that's it. My arms was too short to box with the Lord. He told him, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And so we should remember no matter what, no matter how lonely you might feel, no matter what you might be dealing with. Some things I've learned now, I, I knew of verbally. I had an ideal of it, but it was not an experience in my life. Whereas today it is, I testify and say things because it is an experience I have learned. The Bible said that that Christ learned from the things he suffered. And it wasn't that he was doing anything wrong, but certainly I cannot give that testimony that I wasn't doing anything wrong and I suffered some things. And some of you have similar testimonies. And so the Lord uh, told him to fear not, I'm not shield. Today, if you ask me what's my greatest asset, and, and I hope you say the same, your greatest asset too is that God is your shield and exceeding great reward. He is your greatest, he's your protection, and he is your greatest asset. No matter how much money you have, no one has left here with a pocket full of money and conscious awareness to, um, to spend it um, wherever they are at. Uh, we have an actor. Um, some of you know of him, others may not, I don't know. But uh, Jamie Foxx, uh, what renowned acting career, uh, lots of money, probably has some of the best physicians, but at the same time dealing with massive uh, physical conditions and it's on the news, you know, so I'm not telling you something personal or it's on the news. He's dealing with a situation um, and money, Money can get you only so far. And I'm sure there's lots of prayers that are going up. It's, 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 he comes from a family, a, a religious family, and I believe his dad was a pastor. But listen, the point is, is that there comes a time where you realize your greatest asset and your reward is God. 
no matter what condition you're in, no matter where you are, no matter what valuables you may have earned. God is the greatest. He's the greatest. And so we're, we're in the 17th chapter of Genesis. And we're going to start at the 10th verse here in this Bible class. Uh, this particular Bible class is, is titled, God, are you kidding me? And really, I want you to think about what we're talking about here, because I don't know if Abram thought this. I know that others have thought it. Uh, here's an example. A bishop uh, that I know of was dealing with a serious situation. He was in court. And I don't know all the details of that because he didn't provide it. What he gave was was the resolve. And that was he was in the bathroom at the courthouse praying and Lord help. I don't know what to do. Help God the attorneys. And he said that that he felt an unction. He felt an inspiration, a word from the Lord to, to leap for joy. And he said he could not do it. He said that his feet felt like bricks. You know, he could not, he was not feeling that. And here it is, he's being told to leap for joy. And it was difficult for him to leap for joy. And so he started trying to do it. And after a while, it got lighter, it got lighter, it got lighter. And he was then leaping for joy and the resolve was in his favor. So in that instance, God, are you kidding me? Uh, look at the trouble I'm in and you're telling me to do this. Look at where I am in the situation that I'm in right now. And you're telling me to be faithful. You're telling me not to lift a hand. That preacher, uh, Pastor Carl Henderson and said, don't take matters into your own hand. And I feel like taking this matter into my own hand because I don't see you doing anything right now. And now here it is. You're telling me to stand still. Are you kidding me? Are you, you tripping? You know, sometimes we think that way. We get advice from, from leadership, from the pastor. And, you know, and we're, and we're just like, uh, you really don't know. You're not feeling me right now because you're not in my shoes. And that may be so. They're not in your shoes. And you don't know if they've ever been through it because they may not be sharing that with you. But they do have a responsibility as your shepherd. As they pray and seek God for your well-being, the Lord may lead them to tell you to do something that seems so strange, seems so abstract, seems so abnormal. There are things that I look back on that, that I recall my pastor telling me, and I look back today and I say, I wish if I had a do-over and I, and I had this awareness, I would do it because they saw, or the pastor saw what I did not see in that moment. And they understood something that I didn't understand in that moment. And it, it may not have been nothing uh, big, it was just obedience what a difference it could have and would have made early on compared to then you're a recipient of what you're doing now. So the Bible tells us in Genesis 17, 10th verse, this is my covenant, which ye shall keep. This is, a, this is something between us. 
between me and you and thy seed after thee, every man child among you shall be circumcised. And ye shall be circum and, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you. Every man child in your generation, he that is born in the house or brought, bought with money or uh, of a stranger, uh, which is not of thy seed. So if you if you if you employ them, he that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with money must need be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. So the covenant, the covenant, the marking of the covenant is in the flesh uh, of Abram. And the circumcised, uncircumcised child whose uh, flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people and he have broken my covenant. So those that, that are not circumcised are not part of the covenant. So if there was a rebellion then uh, against what was about to be done. And I'm sure that and the Lord mentioned this because there was going to be those that was, uh, <clears throat> are you kidding, man? Listen, and God said unto Abram, Ham, his name has been changed. As, the, as for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt call her name Sarah. Um, her name is going to be changed from Sarah to Sarah. Uh, shall her name be. Now, I, I often wonder, you know, the Lord, how did the Lord speak to Abraham? Abraham, You know, because when I'm listening to Bible Gateway, they have their own way and fashion of reading scriptures. And I just wonder because, you know, I don't hear a thundering voice uh, of God. And sometimes it's a whisper. Sometimes it's just a thought. Matter of fact, even through the scriptures, it doesn't always talk about him thundering uh, like he did with, with uh, Moses and the children of Israel standing around the mountain uh, going um, about to lose it. <laughs> they, as we probably would have been too, about to lose it because of the thundering and stuff that was going on around the mountain. And, and so did the Lord just speak to him and um, the way he spoke to Adam? How did the Lord speak with him? Listen, and God said unto Abram, for thy wife, for Sarah, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall her name be. I think the Lord spoke with compassion. And that's me. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. I'm going to bless her. And she's going to have a baby. I will bless her and she shall be the a mother of nations, kings of people uh, shall be of her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. So if Abraham fell on his face and laughed, it doesn't sound like it was a very authoritative voice speaking to him, but just a voice of compassion, a voice of just a, a certain tone um, and this man fell on his face and he laughed. It tickled him to hear this. 
and said in his heart, his thoughts, within his thoughts. And we have our thoughts. You know, we have things going on inside of us that we may not always voice it, but we have our thoughts. And our thoughts have to be put in check by the word of God. And sometimes we have to check ourselves. And that's, so shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old and Sarah that is 90 years old. So there's a 10 year difference there, as we pointed out earlier, when they left the, uh, when the scripture first points out or places a focus on Sarah um, in the 11th chapter there, she's 65 and he's 75. And so something you have heard or, or are about to hear, um, you know, and what he was dealing with is questioning the validity of it. Is this, is this, <laughs> what is this? What, not only the validity, but what about the solidity of it? You know, am I really to believe this? What is going on here? Now, Abram, and I, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but you, you may have even walked around shaking your head when you've heard things and wondered if it was really happening or is it really happening to me? Is it really true? Now, Abram was a religious man. He was a religious man. And so he's told, he hears a voice telling him to leave his countrymen, to get out and go into a place I'm gonna show you. So he hears a voice, he hears a voice talking to him and he believes what he's here. He didn't believe that he was losing it. It was not mental illness. He believed what he heard and he moved up on it. Now, Joshua points this out in the 24th chapter uh, and by the second verse, second and third verse, it said, thus said the Lord, the God of Israel, uh, long ago, your ancestors, Terah and, and sons, Abraham and Nora, uh, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Uh, then I took your, took uh, Abram from beyond the river and led him across to the land of Canaan. So they were serving other gods. So they were religious. They were spiritual. Now, religion or spiritual don't mean that you're serving the true and living God. It just means that you are you are practicing a certain belief system. And we find that here in, well, worldwide, people practice belief systems. Some people weigh heavily on philosophies, um, and and I'm not condemning certain philosophies. There are certain levels of philosophies that that they're talking about uh, conduct, but there's a difference in a philosophy in, in your soul salvation, and, and that's where we we distinguish things. That uh, Buddhism is not meant to save your soul. There's nothing about Buddhism about saving your soul. There's nothing about Hinduism about saving your soul that I'm aware of, certainly feng shui and all the other stuff. And then there's the craziness behind, you know, watching a man stand on a dragon, a sixth arm woman. Um, those are nightmares. You know, a man with a, a stomach that is Oh, you know, bad health condition, gentlemen, when our stomachs start to bulge and, and become solid as a rock, we have a condition that's going on and it can lead to a heart attack. And so that's not good. It doesn't represent prosperity. No. 
And so we need to deal with things as they really are. So let's let's go on. Religion or spiritual don't mean you're serving the true and living God who is sovereign God. And sovereign means he is supreme. Uh, he has ultimate power. When the Apostle Paul ministered the word to the people of Mars Hills uh, over at Athens, um, he was very apologetic. He, he presented an apologetic message, and you'll hear this more and more because I'm going to introduce you to this more and more as well. And apologetics means that, that you're defending the gospel. And so it was very compelling to a group of religious, and he was compelling to a group of religious and spiritual people. Uh, and so um, there in the 17th chapter Acts, it says, Then Paul stood on the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men, of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. So some of the people that you deal with, even though they go to church, are superstitious. Uh, you know, yes, they go to church. Yes, and they say they believe in God, and some believe in, in multiple gods. And I, when I say multiple, I'm not talking about two, three. But some really believe in a lot. And they may not always tell you what they believe. And sometimes as ministers, we have to discern uh, through the spirit of God, when God opens that avenue up, discernment is not something you turn on and off. Gifts are not something that you just flicker on and off like a light switch. But when God really takes control and gives you an understanding of some things, it is very enlightening uh, of when you're talking to a person or you're dealing with some, uh, a group of people. And so the 23rd verse said, for as I passed by and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So I know that you, that you believe that there is a supreme being, unknown God. Uh, and so I'm gonna talk to you about that. Now, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth dwelleth not in temples made with hands because he is, he embellished all things. He has all things, everything. He covers everything. And before the earth was created, there was already worship going on. So for those that claim that um, they claim some religions are the oldest religion in the world, it's not true. The oldest religion is, is our form of worship is that that was already uh, being done out of your presence. And it's even being done in this moment, uh, not in your presence. So neither is he worshiped with man's hands as though he need anything, seeing that he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for all for to dwell on all the face of the earth. So he's reached back into ancestry uh, history there when he talks about all that one blood, all nations. And have determined the times before appointed the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and we have our being as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. So Paul understood some of where they was coming from. We ought to understand some of the things of where people are coming from, too. It's not enough to just know a little. I'm talking about a little of what you do know. I'm talking about that as you, as, as ministers, as people of God, we should know 
and understand a little more about where other people are coming from, which means you're going to have to listen to what others have to say. Before you prevent, present that argument, and I, I'm not talking about literal arguing, I'm not talking about hostile environment or nothing like that, but I'm talking about a, a conversation about the gospel, you're going to have to listen to what other people are saying so that you know how to address it. And so Paul listened and he understood where they was coming from. And that's why he was able to mention of their own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead like as unto gold, silver, or stone graven uh, by art and man's devices. And the times of the ignorance of God, he winked at that at some point, but not today. But now commandeth, all men everywhere to repent. What does repent means to change, to change. Repentance is not a bad word. And it don't mean you're doing something wrong. If you are, stop. And if you need to change, you know, sometimes we have to repent. If we have poor study habits, we need to repent of that. We need to change that. If we are talking too harshly, we need to change that and season our words with grace. If we're not being as considered as we should, then repent. See, change. Repentance is talking about change. Because he have appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that whom, uh, by that man whom ye have ordained, whereof he that give assurance unto all men, and that he has risen him from the dead, uh, speaking of Christ. Now, Abram and Sarah, Abraham, excuse me, and Sarah. Uh, they had traveled um, with a belief system, right or wrong. It was something they considered real in their mind, and God worked with it. God worked with it. They served other gods, but look how God stepped in, revealed himself, spoke to Abram, who is now Abraham, and his wife and everyone. They followed. They followed. And so one of the saints, uh, someone asked me recently this week, they said, um, why did God wait so long? Why did he wait so long, you know, dealing with, with Abraham, you know? And so, because the Bible tells us in that first verse of the 17th chapter, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to him from the time they left uh, on his journey, which was 25 years now, God worked on this couple. It took some time. God had to work on them. So it wasn't that they were, uh, you know, like what they show in the movies or anything like that. These were people just like you and I, and God had to work with them as he has worked with us. Uh, chapter 11, verse 30 says, but Sarah was barren and had no child, 75, 65 years old. So when you're 75 and 65 years old, no, your sex life doesn't mean that it came to an end or anything like that. It didn't come to an end for them. And it may not come to an end for you either. I just wanted to put that out there. Chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kin, kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I show thee. And so, see, they God was speaking with them. They believed that they was hearing. You know, in my mind, they were looking for a response. All this prayer they're doing, all this, this, believing in other gods and now they they hear 
uh, Abram here voice and he's going to deny it? Chapter 13, verse 4, and the Lord said unto Abram, 14 and 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread, wine, and was the priest of the Most High God. He was he was the king of uh, no mother, no, no father, no beginning, no end. Uh, he was the king of Salem, which and he was the prince of peace. So uh, today in our society, they say church and state don't don't uh, mix, but in with God, yes, it does. Verse 15, chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, I am thy shield, and I exceed the great reward. Uh, chapter 16, there was no vi visitation or voice for 13 years. Now, chapter 16 takes us into their shenanigans, a little deeper into their shenanigans, because there was already some other things that went on, such as his fear. Uh, even though God told him that whoever bless you, I'm going to bless them. If they curse you, I'm going to curse them. And when they got close to Egypt, his fear took over. And his fear took over him, just like your fear at times may have taken over you and you acted out of character. So he told Sarah, you know, tell them that you're you're my sister. And so um, now here it is, uh, another issue that comes up, and that's the triangle. It is not a love triangle, but it's a triangle of Sarah, Hagar, and Abram. And so from that moment, now remember, he's about, he's 85, 86 years old. And see, life didn't stop him. Now, I don't believe Hagar was that old. You know, she was a, the, a, the maid servant of, of Sarah. And so she was a young lady. And, um, and so from that moment, we don't hear nothing about the Lord speaking to Abram until we get here into the 17th chapter. He's 99 years old now. So there's uh, no voice, no visitation or anything that we're aware of for 13 years. Uh, this is after he took matters into his own hands. So sometimes we delay things because we take matters into our own hands. We don't seek the Lord and his direction, even though his, he's available for us to do that. But we do things and then we have to deal with the consequences of it. Now, why the chastening uh, builds character, it, it removes unwanted behavior. Um, and that's what chastening or chastisement, the intention is for. Uh, after the Lord has, and I'm gonna use this word here, after he has whooped your behind, sometimes there are sleepless nights. Uh, sometimes there's regret uh, filled with, uh, you know, I, I've heard people say, I, I've gone through things or I dealt with things and I have no regret. And I'm like, well, why are you even mentioning it? Which there is some form of regret, you know, and so we should be more honest. I regret what I did. I'm, I, it was painful. The results of it, you know, it taught me a lesson. I'll never do it again. And so that somebody else can understand and know that, hey, well, I better not do that. And so there are sleepless nights, there are regrets filled and soulful anguish because of behavior. And so those are forms of chastisement as well. When you feel convicted, when deep down in your soul and you feel bad about what, what you said, did, thought, acted out, and there's no recourse for it, it you know, it, it will hurt. It will cause you to tear up. It will cause you to walk with your head hung down 
and shame. No one else has to be around, but your head is still down spiritually and there's nothing for you to hold your head up about because you are hurting, you're embarrassed, you, you feel, you know you offended God. And so the psalmist, Psalmist 6 and 6 says, uh, talks about this. He said, I'm weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. He was dealing with the anguish of of the chastisement, the anguish of what he had did, and now the consequences of it is overwhelming. And, and so again, you know, the Lord knows how to deal with us, and he does. Now, change happens. It happens, and change is happening every day all around us. When you go to bed tonight, you wake up tomorrow, something's going to be different. You may not be able to put your finger on it, but something will be different. And, and so certainly, um, it's happening now. Abram, or Abraham and Sarah, Sarah, uh, they have more years behind them than they have ahead of them, and so do some of you. Some of you have more years behind you than you do ahead of you, and so that's something to take in consideration and enjoy life, enjoy your walk with God. Now, the Bible tells us here. And I'm sticking, it, it raises the question, God, are you kidding me? You know, this is my covenant. This is the covenant you're making with me uh, that you want me to keep. This is between me and you that, and, and every seed afterwards that every man child is going to be circumcised. And circumcision, as you already know, is the removal of the sleeve of the skin um, tissue, which normally covers the gland of the penis, also known as the foreskin. Now, women are not circumcised. I don't know of, never read about anything of a medical reason, and I believe there would have to be something drastic in order to uh, operate on a woman for this. Um, other than that, it's cruelty. And people have practiced that type of cruelty upon, uh, the, upon women. Now, so all the men, all the men are to be circumcised. You shall be circumcised the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man child in your generation. He that is born in your house, or if they're employed by you, you know, it doesn't stop there. And so we don't read about the act of circumcision until now. And so, gentlemen, uh, you are whether you are a servant, you are an employee, uh, you know, um, the memo went out. Abraham was passing the word around that he's coming, and he didn't use these words, but he was coming with a knife to circumcise. And, you know, I'm sure they had very sterile methods of doing things. They understood the use of herbs and different things in that day. Uh, but what if you received a memo? Uh, today is the 17th day, 2023 of May. You know, 1900 hours, you, you received a memo that, that you were going to be circumcised. Uh, and I'm not talking to you that already have been. Uh, put yourself in, in their day. They had not been circumcised. And so now they're being told, today you're going to be circumcised. It's requirement. And it doesn't matter what your age is. If you're eight days, years old on up to uh, to. 99, because Abram was 99 when he was served. And so even beyond that, if you're older, you're going to have the foreskin 
covering of your penis removed. Some of them, I, I'm sure that they looked at him like, man, have you lost it? What's going on with you? Abram is, is he's on it. He's believing God. But everybody that he told did not believe it. Even some that went along with it may not have believed it. And let me tell you, you may not get it. You may not understand it, but do it. You don't have to get it. You don't have to understand everything that you're being instructed to do. Just do it. Just do it. As long as it's not wrong, do it. As long as it's not creating a harm or danger to yourself or anyone else, then do it. And so I'm sure there was some, some kickback there. Now, if you want to work here, you must participate in this process called circumcision. And so the Bible goes on to tell us that he went on through the house and he dealt with everybody that was there that was a male and circumcised them. Mighty God, what a difference. Abram was 99 when he was circumcised. Um, Ishmael, the, the child that was born uh, with Hagar, he's 13 years old. And they've been circumcised. They've been circumcised. But before that happened, Abram fell on his face laughing. And he thought it was very humorous that, Lord, you're telling me that I'm 100 years old, my wife is 90, and we're going to have a child. Now, they had obviously passed the point of, of um, he's shooting, he's, in a, he's 100 years old, he's shooting dust. She's passed a flower of her age. And um, there's, you know, no child to be born at that age, even. And that's what God is saying. But sometimes God put us in situations where we are not going to have it easy. And when I say easy, I don't mean it was hard, but he's going to wait until everything is exhausted. Everything has been exhausted that you could possibly do. You're not going to get any credit for what God wants credit for. And so at their age, who else can be glorified but God? Everybody that would see um, Sarah walking around with a belly, a baby bump, <laughs> will know that it must be God because of the testimony, first of all, that, that Abraham is going to be given that God told me. Uh, he told me uh, uh, 20 years ago, uh, 25 years ago, when he told me to leave the, the homeland and, and come out, he was going to bless me. You know, and then the multiple times that he told them, I'm going to bless you and look at the stars and look at the, the sands of the sea. If you could number them, you know, that's, this is God, man. You know, the testimony all belongs to God. Abraham can't, can't hold his chest out that he hit it and she got pregnant. He can't do that. It took God to make this happen. And there are some things in your life that it's going to take God to make happen. Now, the Lord told him uh, to, to walk before me and be perfect. He told him at an age where you would have thought he would already known that. But God told him. And, and, and to word it differently, I believe that he reached a point in mentally 
emotionally that, that God would say, man, it's time to stop the shenanigans. By this time, you know who I am. We've met, we've talked. And so it's just time out to stop. You know who I am. And I believe that, that as we mature as people, that we all get to that point where we just realize and God has made it very plain, this is us. This is about you and me. This is about our relationship and how it is going today. And I'm letting you know that there are some things you got to stop. And you do realize within yourself, you know what? It's time to stop. It's time to let go of everything else and to walk before God perfect. To be the man that he is calling for, to be the woman that he is calling for, to be the person that he's called. And it has nothing to do with age. Yeah. Many times as we read in scripture, we're not reading about old men. We're reading about young men. Daniel, young man, teenager. And we're reading about others that were young in age. Jeremiah, I call you before you was conceived in your mother's womb. I've known you before even that. And God has dealt with him. And the same thing with our children. There are times where God speaks and he speaks to us as individuals. God don't have to tell your mom or your dad that he's dealing with you. He's going to deal with you because it's you. That's who he's calling for, to present you, for you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. God got his point across to Abram, Abraham now. Got his point across to him, and he turned back the hands of time so that they could conceive. That was a special night. Don't know if they had any other night similar to that. We'll never know, and it's really not our business. But one thing for sure is that there was a special night, and Sarah conceived. Sarah said, am I going to have pleasure now? Well, I guess the answer that she has is yes. She would tell you yes. The same thing with Abraham. You know, he might have laughed at that moment, but uh, the laughter stopped. Well, you know, then again, maybe it didn't stop. Uh, you know, we don't know about that romantic evening and, and how much they may have laughed afterwards because they enjoyed the moment. And so with that being said, we'll stop. <laughs> we'll stop there. <laughs> I pray, continue to pray for me as I'm praying for you. You know, a busy uh, weekend coming up, two services to speak at on, on Sunday. And so I solicit your prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your word this evening. Thank you, Lord God, for this exhortation. Lord, sometimes we, we think things are a little crazy that you that you are kidding about what is being said. We, we do sometimes think that it is very it's very difficult to digest, but we know that you're sovereign. We know that what you're saying is real, but at the same time, we struggle. Lord God, we, we heard from uh, one man in the scripture that said, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord God, and so I pray and ask that you will bless those that may need help uh, in some areas that they just, they believe and at the same time, they're, when they get to a certain point, they, they begin to waver, they begin to wonder. Lord God, and so I pray for their strength. I pray for your people, Lord God, for encouragement. Lord Jesus, that they would receive your word, be blessed by your word, live by your word, 
scripture. You said, if we, if we keep your commandments, if we live, if we keep your statues, then we shall live in them. We ask these blessings in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. 